Hello, friend. Welcome back to the Wayfair Podcast. I'm Tom Bandle. Appreciate you joining me. Once again, on this chapter day journey, we are in 1 Kings chapter 4, and it was verses 20 through 21 that resonated with me this morning. It says, the people of Judah and Israel were as numerous as the sand on the seashore. They ate, they drank, they were happy. And Solomon ruled over all the kingdoms from the Euphrates River to the land of the Philistines as far as the border of Egypt. These countries brought tribute and were Solomon's subjects all of his life. Today's podcast is entitled, Solomon, Most Wise Fool. In the list of Solomon's officials are two secretaries and a recorder. And I'm not sure if one of them functioned like the press secretaries that presidents have today, but today's chapter drips with the positive spin we've come to cynically expect from modern press briefings of national leaders. In today's chapter, everything is rosy. Everyone is happy. Solomon is the perfect ruler whose wisdom is second only to the future Messiah. Over a lifetime of observing positive spin from both sides of the political aisle, I have perhaps grown a little cynical. Many readers may take the information shared in today's chapter on merit, but between the facts written through rose-colored glasses, I couldn't help but notice a few things. First, Solomon inherited everything from his father. The lands and peoples over which Solomon reigned were conquered by David. Solomon simply took over control. I can't help but think that History is full of stories of children squandering what their parents had earned. Governing and maintaining control over many tribal groups over a large area for any length of time was tricky business, especially in that period of history. It took an amazing balance of diplomacy and military threat. And the facts we are given simply point to a Solomon who lived rich, courted foreign diplomats who showered him with praise, and enjoyed every minute of being the richest and wisest man in his known world. Now, knowing from history that the entire kingdom implodes immediately after Solomon died, I'm left to wonder if Solomon gave any thought to preserving the kingdom that God had established and blessed for subsequent generations, or if he simply enjoyed the wild and luxurious ride he had inherited. Next, Solomon's administration was full of insiders. Solomon's officials and advisors, as listed in today's chapter, were largely sons of his father's advisors, as well as his own son-in-law. David had built the kingdom on a diverse group of supporters from different backgrounds that he developed from his decades as a mercenary. Solomon does not appear to be building bridges and political alliances with the conquered peoples over whom he's ruling. He's keeping his kingly power concentrated with what many in his kingdom might call some of the old cronies. Next, Solomon's great kingdom was built by forced labor. There are only seven or eight jobs listed in Solomon's cabinet, depending on how you read the text. One of them is the secretary of forced labor. Solomon's lavish building projects are being accomplished on the backs of slaves and forced labor from his own people. Now, 
This was not new to Solomon. It was the way the world worked back in those days. However, Solomon's never-ending construction projects, from palaces to God's temple, would indicate that he likely required a level of forced labor that would have bred all sorts of simmering anger and discontent, especially among the lower class masses. And next, Solomon's 12 districts, as outlined in today's chapter, were a form of ancient gerrymandering that crossed tribal boundaries and redrew the map. Now, there may have been a good reason for this. Perhaps Solomon was trying to ensure that every one of the 12 districts had enough agricultural production to provide their annual monthly supply for his lavish lifestyle at court. Redrawing the map, however, meant that districts crossed ancient tribal boundaries, which in turn likely stirred up ancient tribal rivalries and resentments. And the key to preserving a kingdom in those days was maintaining peace and stability, not stirring up trouble. So I'm pondering two realities in the quiet this morning. The first reality is that Solomon was most certainly the intelligent, charismatic, and wise man described in today's chapter. There's no doubt that he was wealthy and successful during his reign and in his lifetime. The second reality is the sobering fact that Solomon was also a flawed human being, just like every other sinful human being. Solomon's press secretary does a masterful job of diverting our attention away from Solomon's flaws and focusing on Solomon's greatness. History, again, however, reveals that it is Solomon's flaws that result in his great kingdom dying with him. His blind spots will plague subsequent generations with the bitter fruit of political strife and civil war and violence and bloodshed for hundreds of years later. I'm reminded this morning of the word picture that Jesus provides his followers at the end of his famous Sermon on the Mount. And by the way, it comes to mind because I just gave a message a couple of Sundays ago about it and a link to it in today's post at TomVanderwell.com if you want to listen. It is a contrasting word picture of two builders who build their homes. One of the homes remains and the other one falls apart. For all of his wisdom, Solomon's kingdom will fall with the first political wind that blows after his death. And as I mentioned in my message a couple Sundays ago, Jesus' word picture begs a number of questions of me. What am I building with my life? On what am I building it? With what am I building it? And what will blow away when I'm dead? And what will last eternally? Those are the questions I'm thinking about. Hope you have a great day, my friend. We'll be back here tomorrow.